Today on episode number 43 of the Marketing Musician Podcast, we've got a snippet from the new David Hooper book, Six Figure Musician, How to Sell More Music, Get More People to Your Shows, and Make More Money in the Music Business. We're also going to talk about why your Facebook fan page is not growing. I'm going to talk about things you can do to your live performance to improve it. And of course, we got a clip from my book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum. It might seem like a lot to make it happen today, but give it all you got and you just might find your way. Just make the music and you can choose to tell the world just who you are. Mm-hmm. Bells, gigs, make that dope. Watch that fan base grow and grow. So many tools you can use. Tell the world that's what you're gonna do Do it yourself, you can't lose Who can spread the word? Nobody's better than you You're listening to the Marketing Musician Podcast at marketingmusician.com All right, hello you marketing maniacs. It is I, your smiling host, Jam and Dave Jackson, author of the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them out of the asylum. Hey, do you like to support the show? Go over to our website, marketingmusician.com and pick up your copy today. You can download that. You can get the uh, audio book. You can get the PDF. It's all right there out at our website, marketingmusician.com, along with our class on building your band's website. If you'd like to email me, it's dave at marketingmusician.com. You can uh, go out to our website, marketingmusician.com, click on the uh, voicemail button if you're on an iPad or iPhone, something with a microphone. And uh, also you can call in your comments, 888-563-3228. Well, we're going to start off. He's going to be coming on the show in the future to talk about this book. But uh, my friend David Hooper, he's been on the uh, podcast numerous times. He's got a new book out, Six Figure Musician, How to Sell More Music, get more people to your shows and make more money in the music business. And that's really what we're all about here at the marketing musician podcast. And the beautiful thing is you can get this book for free. That's right. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash Dave, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. And you sign up, you get a free audible account for a month, download that book. If you don't want an audible account, just cancel anytime within the first 30 days and keep the book for free. And right now, we are going to hear a snippet from this. Let me turn up the volume on it. And I'm going to hit play. Back in July, Here we go. 1995. I mention this because you need to know two things. One, the music business isn't some kind of hobby to me. It's what I do. And I do it every single day. Two, The content within this book is the result of almost two decades on the front line of live, online, and guerrilla music marketing. This book is not a hastily thrown-together manual for those looking for quick money in the music business. It has been designed for musicians who want a career in the music business more than they want fame, although some level of fame is often part of the experience. This is information you can use. No fluff, no filler. Heads, I win. Tails, you lose. Have you ever heard that before? I want you to think about this saying as you read this book, because it's what this book is about. Setting yourself up to win. It takes a lot to win. In the process of winning, you'll often feel like you've lost. It's painful to book a gig, show up, and have nobody in the audience. It's painful to record an album, release it, and have it go nowhere. 
It's painful when your parents, friends, and even your own spouse don't understand your desire to create music and the sacrifices you're making to be successful in this business. It's painful, but it's the way things work, at least for a while. Then you start to get better, more people get into what you're doing, and you get the respect you're seeking. As tough as it is to win, the cost of giving up and walking away is 1,000 times more. The cost of losing is always wondering what could have been. The cost of losing is spending your life watching others from the sidelines. The cost of losing is being stuck at a job you can't stand. When you think about things this way, you really have no choice but to win. So what's it going to be? We both know the answer, don't we? Very cool. And again, that is a snippet from Six Figure Musician, How to Sell More Music, Get More People to Your Shows, and Make More Money in the Music Business from David Hooper. It's actually narrated by Chris Caldwell. And you can get that audio book for free. Go over to, again, audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. Also, I have a link out in the show notes. If you go to marketingmusician.com forward slash 43, I'll have links to that out in the show notes where if you want to buy it on Amazon, it's available on a Kindle as well. And like I said, in the as soon as I get done reading the book, or in this case, listening to it, uh, I'm going to have Dave on the show. I'm weird like that. I want to actually talk to somebody about their book, and I've actually read it. School of Podcasting. We're going to start off with some quick podcast success stories. Here again, podcasting is opening doors to people. You're connecting with your audience, so you're getting to know them a little better. Subscribe now at schoolofpodcasting.com. All right, next up, this is not my article. It's an article I found. I found it interesting. It's written by Ariel Hyatt and John Ostro. It's, uh, I got this from musicthinktank.com. It says the number one why your Facebook page isn't growing and five others too. And it basically goes in and talks about how a recent study uh, from Napkin Labs on Mashable showed that on average only 6% of fans engage with a brand's Facebook page. So you get 100 people in a room, six of those are on the Facebook page. And it said... Uh, this is via likes, comments, polls, and other means. A, uh, it's basically Napkin Labs is a Facebook app developer that works with brands and agencies. And of those fans that did, the average engagement was the equivalent of less than one like over the course of eight weeks is what this study conducted. There are several reasons for this. Most of these, truthfully, are human error, when, which basically is what this article is going to discuss here. But Facebook is taking strides to make it more difficult for you to achieve growth and impressions on their platform. This is why I say you need to have your own website. The problem at hand is akin to a common proverb, which is teach a man to fish and he eats for a lifetime. Except in Facebook's case, it's more like once you teach a man to fish, you then put a thick layer of ice over the water, making it far more difficult. So, here are the issues at hand, they say, according to Ariel. You don't pay, period. This is the proverbial ice over the water. No matter what you do to correct your own understanding of how Facebook works and implement a more effective strategy, you will have to deal with the fact that Facebook uses an algorithm that works in the favor of advertisers. The money that advertisers spend on Facebook grants them first access through the ice to all the fish in the sea. A friend of Ariel's 
technologist Marcus Whitney explained the dilemma here beautifully in a recent panel that spoke uh, for AIMP at at uh, ASCAP in Nashville, basically on Music Row. And instead of Facebook's $1.53 billion in revenue, 95% of what they earned was in advertising and 25% of that was from mobile ads. Now, you used to be able to reach 100% of the people that liked your page on Facebook, but now you you can, at max, reach 15%, 15% of them without paying. That's the best you're going to do is 15%. That's why Facebook sucks. They just suck. Suck at Facebook. Okay, sorry. At the end of the day, Facebook is catering to their customers. Believe it or not, but Facebook's customers are not you. They are advertisers. They are the people willing to spend money to be connected with others, and this algorithm was created to ensure that this happens. Facebook has created an option for those, you know, basically like us, who are not full-time advertisers that, for better or for worse, gives the opportunity to gain access to fish in the sea more quickly and effectively. This is the dreaded promoted post function that Facebook introduced several months back. Oh, thank you. By paying even as little as $15, you are far more likely to see the true engagement happen on your posts simply because Facebook is allowing this to happen. Why? Because you paid for it. Now, as ridiculous as that seems, this option does present you with a good opportunity to jumpstart the engagement of a new page by promoting selected posts that nurture strong engagement with your audience. So Ariel and uh, John, they have tested this over the holiday season with one promoted post, and here are the results. They spent 15 bucks. They received 46 likes, 237 comments, and most importantly, for the purpose of the algorithm conversion, the number of people who saw the post was 4,517. This is 10 times the number of their average post. But even with this great response from one promoted post, it would have meant nothing had they not prepared to leverage the new engagement through a strong strategy. The strategy uh, is the piece that so many people are missing. This is the human error mentioned previously. And here are five things that you can do. Uh, you'll never reach the level of set of success you hope to achieve through Facebook, okay? You don't post consistent, compelling content. They call this the triple C. This means your content is not only consistent in terms of style and theme, but in terms of frequency as well. Uh, a well-run Facebook fan page should have one post per day, two if you're getting great engagement, and the content should be varied enough to keep it interesting but similar enough that helps you to develop your overall brand. Okay, another mistake. You don't use mixed media. Facebook isn't Twitter. Text isn't the answer to success on Facebook. Facebook has acknowledged the fact that people are more likely to engage with photos, videos, and links than they are simple, standard text updates. This has been proven. I've read this all over the place. If you're going to post on Facebook, number one, post on Facebook. Don't use a third-party app and get a picture in there. Come on, get out the phones, take some pictures, and otherwise you're almost wasting your time completely. Because remember, you're only going to get 15% max free 
And if you don't have a, a photo, some sort of image, you're going to get less than that. Okay. Third thing you do, you don't focus on community. Facebook is a social network. It's not a broadcast tool. If you spend your time on Facebook telling people about yourself over and over and over again, like a broken record, rather than asking, conversing, building real relationships, you're going to miss out on what Facebook actually has to offer. So find ways that your fan can not only interact with you, but can't interact, uh, but they can interact with each other and really start to see some of the magic happen on your page as well. The fourth reason that you, your Facebook fan page is not growing, you don't re-engage your community, a.k.a. you only engage once. So it's one thing to ask a question to your fans on Facebook or to share some sort of compelling content that warts comments, you know, people are asking questions, but it's entirely different for you to re-engage your community by responding to each comment and question. It's this re-engagement of your community that will keep them coming back and help build that stronger loyalty to your brand. Oh, and all of this will help you rank higher in the algorithm. It's a snowball effect. The better you perform, the more weight you post, your, the more weight your post will hold in Facebook. Number five, you don't pay attention to your analytics. It is shocking how many people ignore the fact that Facebook actually gives you detailed analytics on your fan page. They do this for this reason, the snowball effect, right? Facebook's, they're called insights. They give you a detailed look at who your fan base is, where they live, and most importantly, what content they are most willing to engage with. Your content strategy never needs to be a static thing. It should be fluid. It should shape shift as you find out more about who your fans are and what their fans and what their needs are. Excuse me. Um, using Facebook insights is critical to a strong Facebook fan page that holds well in Facebook's algorithm. Of course, using Facebook insights are only helpful if you know what the average metrics on Facebook are so that you can compare your efforts to the standard. So first off, you have to understand the average number of fans on a Facebook page. This will help you establish a realistic goal. So according to this, um, 31% of Facebook fan pages. You want to guess how many fans they have? Uh, 32. Less than 32 fans. 31% of the people have less than 32 fans. Anywhere from 32 to 256 fans, 25%. Now, 56% of all Facebook pages have less than 256 fans. And that's of a 1.7, I guess, million sample. So if you have 1,000 to 10,000 fans, that's 20%. 10,000 to 100,000 fans, that's 21%. Um, between 100,000 and a million fans is 3%. And more than a million fans, 0.01%. So if you have, you know, 32 to... Uh, 256 fans, you're, you're in that 25%. So I'm trying to do the math here. 56% have less than 256 fans. Okay, secondly, once you have a realistic fan growth goal, you'll need to understand what the realistic amount of engagement of your total fan base actually is. Believe it or not, 
the average engagement rate of a fan page, which is, so how do you calculate that? It's people talking about this page divided by the total number of likes is between 0.5% and 0.99%. A good engagement rate is anything over 1%. So what have you done in order to best the Facebook algorithm and garner stronger results? I'll put a link out to this uh, article if you'd uh, like to chime in on this. But here's the thing that I don't get about this article. When I read this, and it's the one thing, that if you're going free, if you're going free, the best you're going to do is 15% of the people that are going to see it. Now, I understand I can go out and re-engage and I can do all this stuff. But to me, I'm putting all this information in. Facebook has complete control. They can just say, hey, guess what? Screw you. We're not going to show it to anything unless you, and there wouldn't be anything you could do. This is why I don't like putting my information and, and banking on something I have no control over. So it's a really interesting article. I'll put a link to this out in the show notes if you uh, want to check it out. Again, go over to marketingmusician.com forward slash 43. All right, I was listening to uh, Jay Moore's podcast. He's a comedian. He interviews, he does a sports podcast now. He does a sports radio show. But he interviews a lot of comedians, and he was talking about how somebody he knew, it's kind of a, a whole six pixels of separations, but they got to Keith Richards. And they said that Keith Richards, who apparently does not, if you read his book, he, he really doesn't like Mick Jagger. They don't get along very well, apparently. I've not read that book. That's another audio book, by the way, you can get for free over at audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. But from what I understand, those two do not get along it's been well documented that, that Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend don't really get along. They love each other like brothers. It's a love-hate relationship. And I think Mick and Keith have that same thing, right? But Keith Richards said something about, he was talking, that's what he was talking to Slash. Keith Richards was talking to Slash about, you know, trying to put up with the hassle that is Axl Rose. And he said that you have to love Guns N' Roses more than the hassle of putting up with Axel. You have to put the band first over Slash because that's what the the fans love the band. And you have to put the fans' love of the band over your hatred for this other person. And one of the things that you have to do as a band and I'm going to tie this into my band right now has a problem. And that is we have the the lead singer. Everybody in this band is very talented. We have a great PA system. The singer uh, is a used to do DJing. So we've got this great, very mobile, very easy to set up, but large PA system. And I got to tell you something. I'm finding out I used to have a Line 6 amp. And I've switched now. I've got a, I'll be actually doing a product review of uh, a Roland Cube amp. I got an 80XL for my guitar. It's a very versatile amp, very loud amp, and um, very small. So small and mighty. And I got it because I was looking for simple. I didn't want to have an amp with 80 million sounds. I'm only going to use four. And this thing has some switches on it to switch from loud to soft, things like that. And I really thought about sometimes 
you know, taking it back to basics can help. But in this case, um, our singer is running the the sound system through some sort of interface on an iPad. And he's actually got it wireless. So he can walk around with an iPad and run the sound system. You know, sliders, monitor mixes, this whole nine yards. I'll have to find out what he's using. But we are plagued with horrible sound for whatever reason. Mainly because he's trying to sing. He occasionally plays guitar and he's trying to run sound system. And he's using the lyrics on the iPad as well. So he's switching back and forth from reading the lyrics and things of that nature. So my, my thing here for making... A better life performance is number one. The eyes are the doorway to the soul. That has been said over and over. And I say that here because if you're not looking at your audience, and I realized this past weekend, a lot of times I'm not looking at the audience because I'm not having a good time on stage. Why? Because we have a band, we have a bad mix. And in general, it's it's not I'm not connecting with anybody. And so if you're looking at a lyric sheet. If you're constantly tweaking knobs, if you're, you know, just having a hard time producing sound without constantly tweaking things, you might want to think about dialing it back. Sometimes keeping it simple is not a bad idea, you know, and if you're so like in in my case, the lead singer has got way too much going on. We're going to have a band meeting about this this week. I'll let you know how it goes. But we need to say, look, uh, either A, we're getting a sound man so you can concentrate on singing and doing lyrics and occasionally playing the guitar. But that was the other thing. He bought um, software to where he could run his guitar amp on his iPad. It was a simulation thing. And we're all going to go, no, hell no. Because he's just, all he does is look at the iPad now. He's not connecting with the audience. He's looking at an iPad. And he constantly tweaks it. That's the other thing. The more knobs you have, the more... Uh, what's the word? Um, you're, you're being tempted to tweak constantly. So my, my advice to you is yes, technology is great, but you might want to ask yourself, do you really need this? Do you, yes, it's, you know, there's so many things out there with technology where it says, Oh, with this new thing, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. The question is, do you need to do it? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So if you're a small group, find, look for simple and, you know, ask yourself, what do I need this to do? Okay. My sound system needs to be loud enough to be heard in a small club. Well, my sound system can be heard in another state. It's way too loud. That's actually one of the problems, you know, and then how many channels do you need? If you've got a small band, you're not miking everything. You know, you don't need the big giant uh, mixer, things like that. How many guitars do you need on stage? How many whatever? And the idea is to pare it down. Bring what you need, because you should always have, in my opinion, you should always have two guitars in case the string breaks, things like that. But in the end, you know, scaled down is it's less equipment to, uh, to lug around. It's a less equipment that can go wrong. And you might want to think about keeping it simple. Because in the end, if it's simple and it does the job, your life just got easier. 
right, next up, we are going to listen to track four from the audiobook, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum. And again, you can get this book. You can get the audiobook out of the website. And you can also download the PDF soon to come on the Kindle. I'm in the process of uh, reformatting it here. But here is track number four, all about goal setting. We talked about it last week. We uh, or in the last episode, you know, if, if musicians hate goal setting, why do they do it all the time? We talked about how many of us used to use our refrigerator as a day timer. And here's a section on goal setting. So now I want to give you the seven steps of goal setting. And you're like, oh, geez, goal setting. But let me tell you this. In 1953, three, 3% of the graduating class at Yale University had gone through these seven steps of setting up goals. Now, 20 years later, at their 1973 reunion, the 3% who had set goals had accomplished more than the 93% combined. So, step one of setting a goal. Identify your goal and write it down. See, in reality, by setting a goal, you are setting your direction. By writing it down, you have to put your thoughts into words. The words on the paper cement the goal. You can come back to that paper again and again and again, and your goal will not change. So you want to write it down. Step two, set a deadline for achievement. I'll do it tomorrow is way too easy to say. However, if tomorrow is the deadline for a task, you may find you're motivated to get off the couch and work towards the deadline. By setting a deadline, you can gauge if you're on schedule or not. You must set a deadline. If needed, you can always move it back, but try to avoid doing this too often. Step three, list obstacles. Who and what are going to get in your way? What can make accomplishing this goal more difficult? Identify every scenario that could come up to stop you from achieving your goal. Don't worry about solving these yet. We'll do that in a future step. Step four. List the people or the groups that you're going to be working with. Who are some of the people or groups that you can work with to obtain your goal? Are they going to be available to help? Are they willing to help? What kind of support can you expect from these people? Is there someone who has done this before that could help you avoid pitfalls? Step five. What skills or knowledge do you need to accomplish this goal? Do you need to take a class? Do you need to read a book? Do you need to find a mentor? If you don't, then where can you find this information? You can't hit your target if you don't have any ammunition, and any job is made easier with the proper tools. Step six, develop an action plan. Write down the steps of how you will achieve your goal. This could be a series of short-term, as in days or weeks, goals combined to achieve a long-term goal that's going to take months, quarters, or years. All these obstacles you listed before, here's where you list how you're going to get around them. Step seven, list the benefits of achieving this goal. There will be times when you may want to stray from the action plan you've created. By writing down how you're going to benefit from achieving this goal, this might include money, health, time, working environment, how you're going to feel. You can use this as a pep talk to yourself when things get tough. Who doesn't want to benefit? By reminding yourself of the gold at the end of the rainbow, you can give yourself the strength to make it through the tough times. Do not overlook this step. 
if you can't think of any benefits, then you're not serious. Another way to look at goals, are they specific? Goals must be clear and definable. I want to be a good band is not a specific goal. By not having a specific goal to focus on, we can get sidetracked. We can lose focus. Keep the goal positive. Make the goal, I will do this task well, instead of, don't make stupid mistakes. Measurable. If your goal is not measurable, how do you know if you've achieved it or not? The goal of being a good band is too vague. I want to play out is more specific, but not specific enough. I want to play six gigs a month is specific, and it's measurable. Attainable. Goals have to be realistic. It seems we always pick goals that are good-natured, but unrealistic. We say, I want to lose 10 pounds in a week. Not only is that not attainable, it's unhealthy. With these goals, we set ourselves up for a fall. We try to do our best to meet the goal, but since it's impossible, we fall short, we get discouraged, and we give up. A prime example of this is, I want to learn six songs by the next practice, when the next practice is tomorrow. Depending on the situation, this may be completely impossible. Then you get discouraged and give up. Try to set goals that you have control over the outcome. Even a clear, measurable goal can be impossible if outside sources have too much control over the outcome. Relevant. Goals should be relevant. Learn how to scuba in six weeks is a specific goal. However, if you live in a town with no lakes or oceans, this may not be the most beneficial goal to achieve. Is this goal going to fit in with any long-term goals you might have? Make sure your goals are relevant. Time-bound. Goals must have a starting and ending point. Commitment to deadlines help us focus on the completion of the goal on or before the due date. Break bigger goals into smaller goals. When we try to achieve one giant goal, we get overwhelmed and discouraged. By obtaining a short-term goal, we feel better about ourselves, and it gives us the confidence to accomplish the next little goal. So let's look at some example goals. Example number one. You say, I want to save $20 a gig to buy a monitor system. Well, this is measurable and it's precise. You could say, save $20 a gig for 10 weeks to put $200 towards a monitor system. See, this way it adds a deadline and a completion date. Example number two, we will learn three songs at each practice session. This is specific and measurable. You could also say, we will learn three songs and have them ready to play out. Example number three, we will have 100 people on our mailing list in six months. This is measurable and it has a deadline. The only thing is, this is not reliant on you. In the end, if a person decides they do not want to be on your mailing list, there really isn't much you can do. Example number four, I will practice one hour a day, three days a week, and master one exercise out of my book each week. This is very precise and measurable. It could be part of a long-term goal of, I want to finish this exercise book by, and then set a date. Here's some final thoughts on goals. When you achieve a goal, congratulations. Now make a new one immediately and keep that positive motion moving forward. Was it too easy? Make the next one harder. Pat yourself on the back and reward yourself. Do something nice for yourself. You deserve it. You stayed focused. You stayed determined and you accomplished a goal. Now, what happens if you didn't achieve your goal, right? I failed. Now what? 
Well, how did you learn the stove was hot? You made a mistake, right? You got burned. You learn from your mistake, you adjust your actions in the future, and you move on. Don't kick yourself so hard that you never want to try again. Analyze what went wrong, maybe make a new list of obstacles to overcome, and get back out there. I mean, are you still breathing? Then you didn't fail. You just took a bad turn. But above all, realize there is power in goal setting to help you stay focused, to help you stay efficient, and to keep you moving forward. There you go. That is uh, track four from Get Your Band Out of the Basement and keep them and keep them out of the asylum. And uh, also, want to let you know if you use the coupon code because it's actually like a five CD. Let me see, is it five? It's a five CD set, and uh, it normally goes for thirty nine ninety nine. You can get a thirty dollar discount. That's right. It's March Madness. March Madness. Uh, for the rest of March, and actually, it's always madness. It's not a March deal, but sounds good, though, doesn't it? Uh, $30 off uh, because I'm not making the CDs anymore. This is a download. There's not much cost involved in that. So if you're interested in it, the coupon is PODCAST30. PODCAST30 to get $30 off of, of course, the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum. And speaking of that, even though you just heard a clip of it, here's a little more about it. Whether you're new to the music business or an old veteran, get your band out of the basement and keep them out of the asylum has something for you. Things like how to hold effective practices, picking a band name, holding auditions, getting that first gig, and how to maximize your influence at gigs. Marketing ideas like flyer tips, the band booth, how to make $13 profit on a t-shirt sale, using the internet, using podcasting, as well as how to get along for the long term. Communication 101, team building ideas, checking egos, and spotting the warning signs. It's available at musicianlibrary.com. Order now and get the free report, 10 Stupid Things That Bands Do. It's only $12.99 for 129 pages. Get it for $9.99 using the coupon code PODCAST. Or get the unabridged audiobook. normally $39.99. Use the coupon code PODCAST to get it for $9.99. It's available at musicianlibrary.com. All right, I just realized that is an old commercial, and those coupons don't work. <laughs> this is why I don't record this podcast live normally. Okay, coupons for the audiobook are podcast30, and if you use the coupon podcast, you will save $3 on the book, which I think the book is only, I mean, that gets it next to nothing. So podcast for the digital book, podcast30 on the audio book. And if you want to get, uh, boy, this is confusing. If you want to get uh, get your band out of the basement, or I'm sorry, take the class on uh, building your band's website, the coupon is listener and the number one, no spacing there. And just since we're talking marketing here, what I just did is awful. I've given you way too many choices, and a confused mind doesn't buy. So there you go. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in. Our website is marketingmusician.com. If you have any questions, if you have any comments in the future, we're going to be hearing, obviously, more episodes of uh, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum. I'll be giving you my review on uh, the uh, Roland Cube ADXL microphone. I'm also going to be playing you some clips. I found a great piece of software 
called Riff Master. Let me make sure I got that right. Um, it is Riff Station. Excuse me, Riff Station. Great software. If you're a guitar player, I'll be uh, doing a review of that. So anything you got in your arsenal that you're playing with, I would love to hear a review of. Would love to hear any comments. Let me remind you that uh, again, you can uh, if you're looking for a free audiobook, go over to audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. If you'd like to support the show and you're going to be you know, buying something at Amazon, go over to uh, supportthisshow.com and uh, use one of the links there. That'll actually a small piece of that will go to help support this show. Also, if you're looking for stuff to wear on stage, go over to stageclothes.net uh, because remember, they see you before they hear you. So thank you so much for tuning in. Let me remind you that uh, you know, for those who have money, there is therapy for the rest of us there is music hallelujah stay cool everybody we'll see you again real soon with another episode of the marketing musician podcast